Hello, everyone, and welcome back to season two of Our House. Boy, there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm joined today by Kyle Pinnell, sports editor at Maneater at Mizzou. Welcome to the show. Hello, I am glad, glad to be here. Lots of crazy soccer stuff has happened since, or in the last 24 hours, I guess. I, they were trying some Super League. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And even as we're going on the show, and I'm sure as we are talking right now, by the time that people start listening to this, everything's going to change. So we got lots, lots to talk about, lots to discuss. What is the Super League? Who's involved? How is it falling apart? What is going on? So sit back, relax, and welcome to our house. States that don't necessarily keep up with international football. There's this little thing called the European Super League that was announced on Saturday. Um, and to put it into context, um, 12 of the top teams within Europe announced that there's going to be a 20 team league in Europe in which 15 of those teams are going to be locked. Locked teams that will, in terms of relegation, promotion, not going to move. And then five other teams are going to be the winners of domestic leagues, and they're going to join the league as they go. Now, there's been a lot of uproar about this. Basically, football is a very traditional sport. And we're going to call it football for the sake of this, this show because, you know, we're talking about Europe right now, so it's football. So in terms of football, football is a very traditional sport. Um, if you perform well, you get the benefits. You go to Champions League, Europa League, if that's what you're shooting for. Um, basically, European football is very traditional. The sport is older than anyone that's alive right now. Most of these clubs are older than anyone that's been alive right now. Um, and this European Super League is looking to kind of shake that all up. So Kyle, I want to get your initial thoughts on the league itself before we start diving into mm -hmm. all the other, what Perez said, we'll get into that later. Um, what are your thoughts on this Super League just by itself? Yeah, so again, most of this could probably be invalid in if, what by the weekend essentially, but but you know, when I first heard, and I'll, I'll just take it back to when I when I heard about it yesterday, that was two days ago now when everything started breaking. It was just crazy. Like there, there's been rumors for a long time that this something in the works that could be kind of like a Champions League uh, would would involve a lot of these big clubs teaming together a lot of, with a lot of money. And it, of course this is driven financially. That's led to a lot of the, the revolts. I think, I mean, it's essentially another Champions League, and I don't get why why you'd want another one. And of course, I, I from the aspect of the increased amount of money it brings to those clubs for financial reasons, yes, I, I get that. But but yeah, it's just another version of Champions League. It's going to be more close structure, kind of like Major League Soccer. I don't know how many people follow that, but no promotion, no relegation, no no really purpose to anything you're going to get a lot of good games and i will give it that as far as the whole concept of getting the best teams playing one another it's what people like to see but i also think it has to be 
more natural. Like the first thing my my brain went back to was uh, Tottenham Ajax or even Ajax. I think they played Juventus during that Champions League run, and that was that's what made like European football so much fun to watch in the Champions League. Uh, a, a team like Ajax, who are giants in in the Netherlands, but playing in European competition when they start going up against a Tottenham, and of course they fell, and that was a crazy two-leg uh, match. Um, I won't go into, but but I, I believe they also beat Juventus to get there. Like that's that's what made it so so special, so fun to watch. That or even um, RB Leipzig in Germany the other year, kind of going pretty far and. And sure, you end up with the PSG or you end up with the Real Madrid or some of these other clubs winning it. But I, I think it's fun to see these smaller teams get the opportunity to take on these these bigger sides. And that wouldn't have happened with a European Super League. And, and I mean, there's other th there's so much to kind of debunk, but those were just some of my initial thoughts. Just thinking back to what makes the Champions League special, why you want another version of that, but more cl more clubs being able to participate in in european football is obviously a better thing for the sport in general yeah i totally agree um my first initial reaction too was we have a champions league what what exactly is the purpose of this i mean we look at the teams that are involved we have arsenal chelsea although this all could change within the next few hours liverpool yeah. man city man united tottenham atletico barca real madrid ac milan inter milan and Juventus. So obviously you have notable teams such as the jersey I'm wearing PSG, and then obviously no teams from Germany, no Dortmund, no Bayern Munich. Um, so obviously, so it's like what happens to those teams that stay in their domestic tournaments? What's going to happen to the mm -hmm. Champions League? You also had the announcement that the Champions League is going to expand the field in 2024. So what is this field going to look like? Um, a lot of questions over that. And like you said, with the, the run that Ajax made and all these different things, I think what makes the Champions League so special um, as a midweek fixture and why so many people tune in in the middle of the week um, is because these matchups are so rare, is, is my opinion on it, is that you, you're, what are the odds that you're going to see the likes of Messi go up against Mbappe and Neymar at PSG? Uh, you don't see that very often. So when you start getting it on a consistent basis, you're going to start to dilute some of the some of the hype around those games, right? I mean, it's going to become, mm -hmm. oh, this is this is just another game in the middle of the week. It doesn't really matter for much or whatever. Um, so I think that's the problem they would run into in terms of keeping the fans' attention. Obviously, I think it's going to make lots of money from the beginning, if it if it ends up going through. I kind of doubt it will, yeah. given what given what's about to go down. Um, but yeah, you got a lot of teams, some mm -hmm. some big teams. Like I mean, you have the past winners of Europe. You have Bayern, and you have. PSG, the two teams that just matched up in the Champions League final this past this past season that aren't taking in part of this. And a lot of people are yeah. surprised by the the PSG move just because, you know, France isn't the biggest in terms of a competition market. I mean, PSG has kind of dominated that field for a while now. Um, and with young talent like Neymar and Mbappe, they're kind of bound to keep that going. Um, so a lot of I know I've heard that a lot of clubs were really looking towards PSG. What is PSG going to do? A lot of you know you got a lot of young, young kids that look up to the players like Mbappe and Neymar. Um, so if PSG had joined, we may be having a completely different conversation right now, because it may be a done deal that this is going through. Um, so speaking of which, mm -hmm. the me the 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 reason behind this, and I think uh, we we really need to look at. Uh, Florentino Perez, the president of Real Madrid, and some of his comments. So he came out and said that the reasoning behind all this is that, quote, 
Audiences are decreasing and rights are decreasing and something had to be done. We are all ruined. Television has to change so we can adapt. He also went on to say that young people are no longer interested in football. Why not? Because there are a lot of poor quality games and they are not interested. They have other platforms on which to distract themselves. He also went on to dive into the financial side, which my question with the financial side is always mm -hmm. going to be how much of the numbers that he's spewing. He also said the game would be destroyed in 2024. Um, and we get told a lot, especially in the journalism field, I'm sure you've been told all the time, don't get overwhelmed by the numbers. People are gonna throw out these numbers and you gotta really look at the context behind them. Where is this 2024 number coming from? And he talked about this loss of money but we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. I mean, yeah. there's no fans in the stands. So yes, they're losing money, but how much of it is just because there's of a pandemic? I mean, all the clubs are going through it. What did you make of uh, Perez's comments? Yeah, I had a lot of different thoughts when it came to his comments. Um, I guess I could start on the money point. That's a little less of that, but like you look at, especially the Spanish clubs, this is something that really has gone on in Spain with both Barcelona and Real Madrid. I mean, it wasn't the pandemic that caused their finances to go uh, like upside down. Like, yes, they're finding themselves in a bad place, but it's not like it had to do with not being able to fill the stadium. Some of the decisions the club has made, both clubs have made and bringing in the personnel they bring in, uh, having those rosters where you just keep, keep on bringing star after star after star from different countries. I mean, eventually when they're not performing or they're just up to the point where they're spending so much on players and what they want to do that when something like a pandemic happens or some some other type of financial mess that's where that kind of comes through but it's not just because of there not being any fans in the camp new or even where i don't even know where real madrid's playing right now where the bernabeu is being um pretty much re redone and updated so for me I, I i don't think that's as valid i also think you look at audience and those are the comments that blew up right Soccer's getting boring. People aren't watching these games. Is he just talking about like the group stage games? Are you looking at um, Cheska Moscow playing against Real Madrid? Are you looking at, I mean, you're looking at all these small, smaller clubs. Atalanta, they had a great run a, a year ago now uh, in the Champions League. Like, I, I think those are the games where, that people are watching. I think it can be argued that Perez, his own league, La Liga, nobody's watching any other game. One, because it's not accessible to anybody in the United States, unless they have B in sports. But I, I, I think, and again, it goes back to my point earlier. When I think of Champions League, which is essentially what the European Super League is, just later rounds of the Champions League, yeah, the rarity of playing Barcelona, PSG, uh, that was rare. The best, one of the best soccer moments of the past decade was Barcelona overturning that tie against Paris and and winning that two-legged series, right? It was, I still vividly remember watching that game and it was unbelievable. Like, you're not gonna get that in with Barca, uh, Barcelona Sevilla or anything like that. Or even, again, on the flip side, Barcelona going to Liverpool and Liverpool on one of those Anfield European nights, it, it won't mean as much if you, there's no promotion, relegation, or there's no stakes. That's gonna happen much more, not just once every blue moon, you see Barcelona at Anfield, that energy and, and that, that makes it fun. That's why fans like watching soccer. And it also goes to the comments on, well, soccer's too long. I don't know where that came from because of two hours, I find it one of the most perfectly paced sports. So I think more of the problem, you got to look at your own league first before you can look at why 
European competition is so boring. And that's where I stand on his comments, I think, that it's completely the opposite in, in European competition. I think the rarity, it makes those nights more special. It makes those special, those different type of runs. Atalanta, RB Leipzig, I mentioned some of those teams. Ajax kind of going through, even Tottenham making the Champions League final. It makes it so much more special. And when I started following soccer, it was watching some of those Champions League games, some of those matchups that just were crazy. It was something that kind of got me into watching different leagues beyond maybe just the Premier League and then at Major League Soccer or whatever I wanted to do. I think I, I get where you can make the argument that, well, then you're going to be in those games more often in a Super League. But it's just the moment. It's the Champions League anthem playing before when the teams walk out of the tunnel. It's the the, the games between players you never see match up against one another. It's, it's the second best thing to the World Cup, in my opinion. And I think it, it's anything but boring, just to sum it up. For sure. I mean, people hear the the Champions League anthem and they can't help but get excited. I mean, you know, like there's going to be a big game uh, once you hear that. That and the anthem. Heineken commercial. Oh, of course. And I mean, the one thing about soccer, I mean, they talk about, oh, is it boring to watch? But one thing to remember about soccer is it's 45 minutes plus of straight action. No commercial breaks. Yeah. There's no commercial breaks. You're, you're going straight through constant, constant pace of play. I mean, if we're talking about, like you said, I think he needs to just look at La Liga first before he starts talking about soccer in general, because like you said, in terms of accessibility to American audiences, the La Liga is so far behind. I mean, mm -hmm. I think NBC Sports does a great job of getting Premier League to us uh, with it, have it happening every Saturday. And I think it lines up perfectly with, you know, footballs are on, football, American football is on Sunday. You watch Premier League on, on Saturday, it lines up perfectly during the fall. And I think American audiences, you'll see, are a lot more inclined to watch those games. And obviously it's a lot easier to watch Champions League games as well. So from a marketing standpoint, like you said, you just need to make it more accessible to where the game is moving. And I think the uh, the game is moving certainly farther from Europe and more towards the West. I mean, you see it with the the U.S. national team is progressing in, in, in a sense. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. they have their downfalls and haven't qualified for things and stuff like that. But the talent is coming towards us. And with that comes the attention from, from younger audiences. Um, so I think you, from a marketing standpoint, like you said, you definitely need to look over there. Um, but when we look at UEFA Champions League and the FIFA World Cup, the two probably most watched, well, FIFA is by far yeah. the most watched sporting event in the world. I mean, they get billions upon billions upon billions of, of viewers every year. And they came out with comments actually attacking the Super League. Not surprisingly, but they essentially said that any player, any coach that that is represented in these leagues will not be allowed to compete in Champions League, will not be allowed to compete in their domestic leagues and cups. And most of all, will not be allowed to compete in the FIFA World Cup. What does that mean? And obviously a lot of these conversations were closed doors, players, managers weren't involved. It was more from an ownership standpoint. What do you think the players are going through right now? I mean, obviously there's a lot of passion that goes into representing your country. Do you think we're gonna start, if this continues to progress, do you think we'll start to see players that say, no, I'm not doing it? I, I mean, I don't see how they don't. And I'm just going to bring it back. The first thing, and you said FIFA, right? Mm -hmm. Or was it just UEFA at the moment? I don't know if FIFA made any um, definite comments on that. I know UEFA, so those type of players wouldn't be able to play in the Euros. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be able to play in domestic competition or Champions League. That's one thing. 
Now, what FIFA says, as a United States men's national team uh, supporter, you look at, that's no Christian Pulisic. That is no Weston McKinney. That is no Serginho Det. All these players that are playing at the highest level are essentially punished for playing at the highest level. After the, I mean, pining for years for the to see a player at, playing in those Champions League games, playing against the best competition to suddenly not be available. And, and I mean, that's that's something that is worth thinking about. I don't think it will happen. I think FIFA would need to definitely rule down on that if this league isn't even a thing by then. I don't think it will be. But that's how the United States is affected by all of that. I don't. I think players will start to... I'm sure that's happened internally, actually, with, with all this recent news. They're not going to go out and, and say their entire minds, but they're going to go talk to ownership probably or they're probably very frustrated they can't say anything either because then the minute someone says anything it's going to be international news at this point point. and just recently i'll just read a comment from kevin de bruyne who tweeted a statement didn't really say much of anything but it was a good sentiment as far as uh he wrote this man comes out of a little town uh, out of belgium dreaming of playing at the highest stage possible i rep represented the belgian german and english league and also probably represented my country I have worked and competed against everybody trying to win the ultimate, but the most important world word in this is competing. With all events that have been happening in the last few days, maybe this is a good moment for everybody to come together and try to work for a solution. We know this is a big business and I know I'm a part of this business, but still I am a little boy who just loves to play football. It's not about a certain entity in this case, it's about football over the whole world. Let's keep inspiring the next generation of footballers and keep fans dreaming. So again, that doesn't really come out and. It, it, it seems like it's coming out against the Super League, and I'm sure that's what it is, but it's, of course, worded carefully. But that sentiment of these players are playing the sport of football just because they grew up playing. It's a sport that they love. And and this whole European Super League kind of takes away from competing at every, every level. There's no promotion relegation. It, it could even get monotonous, right? If you're looking at the same games taking place every every week. You're looking at Liverpool playing, uh, Tottenham playing, Barcelona playing, Real Madrid, those type of teams. And I don't, I don't know. I just don't, I, I think for the players, right? I'm just talking through it is, it's just terrible. I think that there will, if this continues to go on, there will probably be more comments made in social media about the Super League and, and how they feel about that. But if you're going to be punishing players, for these actions of these billionaire owners i don't think that's fair to them but i also think the, the reason they're doing that is just to get some of these outspoken players to talk and speak up and put enough pressure on owners as we've kind of seen already to slow this down and stop it completely so i don't like that players cannot play in a world cup just because of what again those billionaire owners have done um but I mean, it's it's all on them. So that's how, how I kind of think about it. Yeah, and it's especially from a U.S. standpoint, if this were to come into effect, U.S. national team play and FIFA World Cup, um, I think a lot of attention gets put on the owners of these clubs that have a lot of American corporate interests within them. I mean, you got Cronky of Arsenal, you got a lot of American companies and obviously, you know, they came out and said JP Morgan is going to fund mm -hmm. this. Uh, I mean, it's like America keeps, there's a lot of like these higher ups within United States football 
that just seem to be looking to destroy the game and really like try and monopolize and make it make it a business instead of like the traditional game that it was um and you see a lot of fans um coming and attacking them within their own club i mean you got right now there's a bunch of protesters outside clubs basically saying to end the super league why are we in it and you got arsenal fans basically telling Kronky to get out why are you doing this to us we don't want this um and yeah the only comments i've really seen that have come directly from players have been um ender herrera and uh, Bruno Fernandez have come out and said that they didn't come out and strongly say against their club. They just said that really it can't be bought. You can't buy the game. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say that I did find pretty funny uh, is a lot of those mid-table teams within uh, within England have actually come out and posted TikTok saying like, oh, see you later. Basically posted video from Wolves and Leeds, posted videos of them destroying these top club teams. I mean, you got videos of players getting megged, scoring goals on them, and they're like, whatever, see you next time. We don't, we don't need you. We, this is not what soccer is supposed this is not what football is supposed to be. And if that's how you want to do it, we'll make the most of it, okay? So I really love to see see them having a little fun on social media. Yeah. Um, and right now, as we're talking, it could be all falling apart. I mean, as as, as we were getting on and as I'm looking now, um Chelsea has announced that they're likely going to drop. Man City is likely going to drop. We got Manchester United's chairman has resigned. Juve has uh, has also had a resignation. A lot of things are falling apart. So, do you think we are actually going to see this? Is it all this all just a bunch of hype? Where are we going? Yeah, I mean, no. I I mean, we both alluded to it over the last however however long we've been talking that this is probably all going to be for naught. And now it's it's very worth kind of discussing the point we're at where I, I think even if it, even if this does not happen it, it's terrible like it shouldn't be just forgotten because it didn't happen this isn't some ploy to get more television revenue this was something that was carried more they, they came out with a statement they didn't think about the repercussions they just came out with that statement the other day and, and it felt real and those who have been following it have seen it all over social media it is a real uh thing that again these people aren't thinking through and that's why you get those resignations that's why ed woodward is resigning. that's why juve's um owner like it's it's an embarrassment just to be associated with this now and i think they're realizing that they'd rather resign and step down from these positions than now you look in the future every single manchester united game you see every single manchester city i mean city already faces a bunch of that but there's going to be references to this even if it doesn't go through um that fans are going to remember there were so many people they wouldn't let chelsea's bus get in the stanford bridge their own team's bus to play a game against brighton like and i don't know if you saw the uh, pictures of uh petter check trying to get the bus through so it won't be forgotten i think there's a reason why these these guys are resigning i think it's a monumental embarrassment to be associated with this and and it's not like there's two sides to this either it's making a lot of money here or just soccer as a whole. And something interesting as I've been listening to the other breakdowns of this whole thing, when it was more, maybe it could happen. This is crazy. You got to look at the financial structure of these different leagues and champions league. The money goes to the league that is passed down. And of course the champions league teams get most of it, but it also trickles down to smaller clubs. You got the mid table clubs that are waving goodbye at those teams. Well, they get a lot of money a year when a Premier League team plays in Europe. Like, even if they're not there, it's probably minimal amounts of money, not to different teams. Like, I'm sure Major League Soccer, that's like a windfall of cash. 
But for for these teams like a Brighton, for mid-table teams, even like a Leeds this year coming back in from the uh, English Championship and now playing in the Premier League, these teams in every league all over Europe get get these funds. So there's a lot of, if that happened, well, where's this money going to come from? I'm sure there's going to be less money or revenue produced in Champions League play. And then that kind of trickles down. There's a lot of trickle-down effects from that as a whole. And I, I also, another thing, I don't know if you read, if this were to happen, the British government was talking about like um, pretty much getting rid of the work permits of the players who are on those teams. So like even then a Christian Pulisic couldn't play for Chelsea because his work permit in England would have been revoked. So it's just crazy just the how how it's all broken down. And and again, Pep Guardiola spoke about it too a little bit. Like like what's football without competition? That's behind in, in the Stratford end at Manchester United, kind of a little uh, bit of hypocrisy there. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where it's just a monumental embarrassment. I, I don't think it will happen kind of going forward, but I, I think it shouldn't be forgotten. I, I think that fans should remember what these owners tried to do. This isn't like, I don't know if anybody's heard rumors of Major League Soccer and Liga MX combining the form of Super League in North America. That would bring every single team in to that league. It's not like you're looking at pulling the 10 best teams and closing it off. And I think it's that part of closing, making a closed league for the most part. I know there's those five spots that rubs fans the wrong way, that there's no, no, there's no purpose as much as there used to be. And you take away from the special moments. And I think we're starting to see as today goes on, as um, this Tuesday goes on and we'll see before the weekend, that just means a lot. There's a lot of tradition in soccer. These clubs have been around forever, like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, and it's it's definitely something that fans won't forget anytime soon. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that's important to mention is that whether this happens or not, it's important to remember what has happened today and within the past couple of days. Um, one thing I, I always think about now is I can't imagine what these stadiums would be like if full fans were allowed. I mean, if mm -hmm. Manchester United is playing at home or Arsenal's playing at home, to hear what would be heard within those stadiums, I would pay. I would pay yeah. to go hear what's what's being said there. So I honestly, right now, in this climate, I think the owners are lucky that there's not fans in the stands because I think there could be some major stuff going down at some of those games. Um, and I think another important thing to note is that we can't, in this situation, it's, it's easy to associate teams and players with these teams. We have to remember that they weren't involved in these conversations at all. Um, and it yeah. is said that these were, right. we were these were super closed door conversations and that no one, they were just as surprised as us to hear about all this. Um, mm -hmm. And I think James Corden said it best is that we can't let the owners forget about about this. Because mm -hmm. what, what they tried to pull on the soccer, the, the football world, football in Europe, and honestly just the community as a whole within their their select communities is that this, this was a game created by the working class that has, has been stolen by the rich and they just tried to make it the rich get even richer it is a move of greed um so i think it's important that that as fans we we cannot forget what they just tried to do um and i think it was a beautiful thing to see that the football community rose up together in a fairly united stance against the Super League. Um, and hopefully, as we're talking now, 
it seems that it might be collapsing and hopefully by the time you know even this podcast gets published it may all be over so i mean i think it's important to remember that and you know this is this is, this sport is called the beautiful game for a reason mm -hmm. it, it was it's known to bring people together on the biggest of stages um, we see it in the world cup countries coming together um and I think it's important to remember that this can this game, especially in times like this during a pandemic, can bring us together. Um, and while owners may have just tried to tear it apart, we saw that the unity within the football community, within the world, from all the different continents, is strong enough to hold it together. So I definitely think that's one thing to remember mm -hmm. as this continues to go down. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for joining the show. Is any final thoughts from you? Yeah, I, the one thing. You know, I remember, again, getting into watching especially international football and watching those games, Champions League, Premier League, Bundesliga. I'm trying to follow a little more. It's, it's so fun to watch that league. But I remember learning about the game and learning about these different clubs. And the what made soccer or football so great was that people who invest, like nobody's making money out of it. It's people go in owning these clubs. The reason why... Um, in, there's not a lot of American owners is because there's no business sense, business sense to it. There's no financial sense to investing in a soccer club. And then like, there's no profits. It's not the NFL where you guaranteed to make profits. It's not the national basketball association or major league baseball where there'll be profits. People who invest in, and especially European football go in knowing, knowing that are the, the people who really care about a custodian to a club's legacy is a term that gets thrown around a lot, especially in the last few days with that. That's what makes watching football so fun. The fans, the passion, knowing that it's it's really about first and foremost the community and the, these different clubs, than it is about about the owners and the owners that understand that at a bunch of different clubs. It it's such a great thing to see. And the European Super League kind of threatened that. I, I think it goes back to like owners kind of upset or not upset, but like well, why can't we turn our profit in European football? And I don't think that's the goal. I think it's a good thing that, of course, not that they're suffering losses every year upon losses, but that there is, there's a motive for investing in football that's not financial, that it's it's for the club. And I think if this falls apart, it's better for the game. And you kind of go back to that and that feeling. So that's kind of what what really helped me fall in love with the game and i hope it, it kind of goes back to that especially when we can start to see fans in these stadiums again it's, i just look forward to those days yeah for sure we've definitely seen the football world get a little shaken but the foundation has not broken yet and that's what we love to see kyle pinnell thank you for joining the show look forward to talking again soon thank you so much thank you for having me on